Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. As you know, I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm thrilled you're with us today because we have a rather unusual guest. My dear friends, the most important discovery of the 21st century is not really being much noticed yet, but it's huge. Thanks to the fact that in recent years we have developed a much better ways of communicating with the dead than we ever uh, possibly could have done before. They're telling us things we never could have known before, and we know for certain now and for the very first time the meaning and purpose of human life. We enter each lifetime on earth the same way you might go to a spiritual gym in order to achieve more rapid spiritual growth. You're you're strengthening your spiritual muscles, as it were. That's it, and that's all. That's why the universe exists. Growing spiritually in what we think of from here as the afterlife, actually it's real life, growing spiritually there is almost impossible because it's too easy there. It's it's nothing but love, joy, and puppies. That's what it is. Just as lying around all day long can never help you strengthen your physical muscles, you've got to go to the gym. The afterlife is filled with so much love and joy that... It, of course, except in the outer darkness area, that's it. There's no hell. There's just the outer darkness, as Jesus said. And that's the only place there's any negativity. You've got to be able to push against negativity in order to grow spiritually. So giving us all a place to grow spiritually is the reason why the universe exists. But that, that's just the first answer to, to a many, many question series. How does it work? Researchers have learned a lot in the past two decades, and I've been privileged to be part of that group, so I'm excited to tell you we know a whole lot more now than we did even at the turn of the 21st century. We've assembled a picture of the non-material realities from what the dead tell us, and we've also used the implications of quantum mechanics and some other sciences to much better understand how this material reality fits with all the rest of reality, which is most of reality. My dear friends, actually growing spiritually requires that we rise above all our fears, and the core fear is the fear of death. So once you're certain that your mind is eternal and it's not that hard to get there, you never again will fear anything, not even the tax man, nothing. That that astonished me to find that that was true, but it really is true. And no matter how much you learn about death in the afterlife, you won't be able to make it all feel really real until you can envision the greater reality where it happens. So that's what we're going to talk about today, where and how our spiritual growth happens and how it all fits with what we know. And I, there is nobody I could have be our guest for this except for your host. So I'm our guest today. Please be patient with me. I'm doing my best with this. I love having a guest visit with us because then I, I just have to ask questions and the guest gives the answers. I love that. But once in a while, um, it's important enough to me that you know this stuff. I've got to try to do it myself. So I'm doing the very best I can with it. I have spent half a century, my entire adult life, consumed by my need to understand, first, death. 
which is pretty easy to get. And then the afterlife, which is a little more complex, but still pretty easy to get. And then how it all fits together with reality we think we see around us. That is harder, but it does all fit together and it makes sense. Please know, though, that this is a very, very big story. So please, please give me some patience as we work through it. It's taken me every bit of those 50 years to make real sense of this. But others have done the work, too. We compare notes. We finish each other's sentences. It, it, it does. It all works. We have established a solid evidence-based scaffolding now. For the first time in all of human history, we're able to begin now to fill in a lot of the details on that scaffolding to, to a degree that really kind of astonishes me, to tell you the truth, having lived for most of my life not knowing this stuff. Now we really can begin to make sense of it all. I can't do it all, of course, in one 50-minute program. I'm going to have to talk to you about pieces of it later. But this today I'm going to try to give you an overall picture that will be enough for you to be able to begin to see how it makes sense. And I'll give it to you in other ways, too. We'll have to do another book on it. We'll do all kinds of things. The most important thing that you can be doing with your life is understanding what we're going to talk about today. Because when you understand that, you will be able to make of this your very last Earth lifetime. But I'm not going to pretend that this is not boggling. I'll just simplify it as much as I can. Then let's all of us set out together to begin to make sense of reality. Of course, the first thing I'm going to do is to ask you to stop believing your lying eyes. And don't believe your lying fingers either. Believe nothing. It's all lying. In fact, the matter that you think is around you is not solid at all. It's made of molecules, which in turn are made of atoms. And atoms are like little tiny itty-bitty minuscule solar systems with a nucleus in place of the sun and with tiny what are called subatomic particles orbiting the nucleus, like teeny tiny planets. Well, you're thinking, aha, so so there are subatomic particles at least, right? Well, actually, no, there are not. There are no solid particles of any size. At one time, scientists were confident that what they called subatomic particles actually were solid particles. But as our ability to study them has improved, it's become apparent that even those teeny tiny subatomic particles are nothing but whirling vortices of energy. All that actually exists is energy. If the White House were an atomic nucleus, you know, the size it is and positioned about where it is, its closest orbiting particle could be as far away as Denver, Colorado. And all of it, the nucleus and all the particles are nothing but whirling energy. In this scenario, if you could envision it, there is nothing whatsoever between D.C. and Denver either. Nothing, not even air. That's that's what that's what your your desk seems solid, right? The car very solid. It's not. It's nothing. It's not even real. The great quantum biologist Bruce Lipton tells us that if you could manage to photograph the interior of an atom of matter, there would be nothing on the photograph because there's nothing solid in there at all. It's nothing solid. Period. It's all energy. Now, it's very important that you get your mind around this, or, or um, I fear that a lot of the rest of what we'll say is not going to make much sense. There is no solid matter. Think about it this way. The only reason you can't put your hand right through your desk is that the vortices of energy that make up the matter in your hand clash with the vortices of energy that make up the matter in your desk. That is the only reason. 
The only part of reality that is made up of atom-based matter is this material universe. And scientists estimate that even this flimsy, entirely energy-based matter that is around us is less than 5% of what they can determine exists. So what's the rest of the universe made out of? Well, about 27% of the universe is composed of dark matter and a full 68% of it, more than two-thirds, is dark energy. Well, what's that? Why is it called dark matter and dark energy? It's called dark because this mysterious this stuff that makes up nearly all of what physicists, easy word to say, no exists, won't produce and it won't react with photons of material light. So therefore, it's dark. Get it? Dark energy. Nothing sinister about it. It just doesn't react with, with material light. What does that tell us about it? Well, it tells us it's not material. It's not matter. That's information, but physicists assume that it has to be in some way material. They cannot get their mind around this at all. In fact, they think that it's probably made up of Quarks, gluons, there are all kinds of weird names for tiny weird particles. Basically, matter-related trash is what they think dark matter and dark energy must be. No function really except to keep the universe expanding. Now that is nonsense. This is a breathtakingly carefully worked out universe. Tolerances are vanishingly tiny or it couldn't exist. It would collapse on itself or, or explode. And in that universe, they're saying that 95% of it is made up of, you know, trash? That makes no sense at all. It really doesn't matter for our purposes today what dark matter and energy might be for, you know, for, for, in terms of how they're made. But I have an idea about it, and I'm just going to share my idea. No way to prove it yet. But at least we can come up with a reason why it exists at all and why it's that way. The afterlife evidence strongly suggests that most of what exists is what afterlife researchers refer to as the astral plane. The astral plane, which is actually many planes, includes our afterlife, but that's just a small part of it. Overall, it may be 20 times the relative size of this entire material universe. But none of it is material. So it won't react, therefore, with material light, right? It's dark. All of it's composed of and made by consciousness, and consciousness, in fact, is all that exists. Some of it is solid-seeming, but it's composed of a non-matter solidity. This is an interesting concept. We have the kind of matter we have here made up of atoms only in this material universe. 95% of reality doesn't have it. Instead, the matter is just as solid, but it's something like often brilliantly colored living alabaster. That's what the way some of the people who have seen it describe it. Beautiful flowers, beautiful people, beautiful everything, but it's in some lights you can see right through it. Now, I'm assuming that dark matter and dark energy are eventually going to be found to include the astral plane. Since it's as real as the reality you see around you now, we have to assume it must be detectable in some fashion. I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you assume that? It doesn't matter ultimately because it exists and it's non-material and that's all we need to know. But I think we're going to find out in the end that's where the afterlife is, that's where the astral plane is. There's so much wonderful stuff going on. And of course, two-thirds of it is God, consciousness. I think that's what we're going to find out. 
Some physicists say we live in what they call a multiverse, and actually that's kind of true when you think about it. Uh, we've reached, reached that conclusion, but now let's begin to envision how it all fits together. Max Planck was one of the greatest physicists who ever lived. He's right up there with Einstein. And at the turn of the previous century, he and those he was working with quite literally upended the well-settled Newtonian physics that Einstein had been working with in developing his theory of relativity. They rocked the world by developing a workable theory of quantum mechanics that won for Dr. Planck the 1918 Nobel Prize in Physics. But quantum physics is not going to be the primary thing Dr. Planck has known for hundreds of years from now. No, his biggest discovery is this further wonderful insight that he derived from his quantum physics work. It was Dr. Planck who first famously posited a consciousness theory of everything. That is the big one. That is going to be a gigantic Nobel Prize. It's just waiting to be awarded to someone, and it's probably going to happen before the end of this century. My money is on our wonderful Dutch friend, Bernardo Kastrup, who was our guest a few months ago, and he's going to be back with us in the fall. Bernardo is making genius strides, and he's doing it mainly in the Netherlands, which is a place where science is a little less hidebound. But it's early days where this century is concerned. So let's see. I'll bet other people are going to start to work on this, too. In any event, Dr. Plunkett concluded that what you and I experience in a limited way as human consciousness is primary. It pre-exists matter. It's the source of matter. In 1931, he said, I regard consciousness as fundamental. I regard matter as derivative from consciousness. We cannot get behind consciousness. Everything Everything that we talk about, everything that we regard as existing, postulates consciousness. Then he said in 1944, as a man who has devoted his whole life to the most clear-headed science, to the study of matter, I can tell you as a result of my research about atoms this much, there is no matter as such. All matter originates and exists only by virtue of a force which brings the particle of an atom to vibration and it holds this most minute solar system of the atom together. We must assume behind this force the existence of a conscious and intelligent mind. That mind is the matrix of all matter. Wow. Of course, Albert Einstein more or less hated the implications of quantum physics in the beginning, but eventually he seemed to have made some peace with it. For example, later in life he said, concerning matter, we have been all wrong. What we have called matter is energy whose vibration has been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. Of course, lesser mainstream scientists have been lost in the materialist weeds for a hundred years. Eventually, though, inevitably, they're going to have to abandon their completely failed materialist dogma. And as the, the great polymath Nikola Tesla, he's so great they named a car after him, as he said, the day science begins to study non-physical phenomena, it will make more progress in one decade than in all the previous centuries of, his, of its existence, which is true. But right now, thanks to non-material scientists, both here and in the afterlife, you and I don't have to wait for clueless materialists to figure this all out. We can go right ahead. What afterlife researchers have concluded from the evidence and what the dead have been telling us all along pretty much agrees with the scientific evidence we've covered so far today. Now, let's talk about what it all means. Nothing is solid. Everything is energy. And how does consciousness fit in? The dictionary definition of the word is generally summed up as mind or awareness. 
But as Max Planck used the word, it seems quite specifically to have been the core creative energy. He said, I regard matter as derivative of consciousness. You can't get behind consciousness. So what that is, that kind of consciousness. The best definition I've seen of the word consciousness, as Dr. Planck uses the word, and as afterlife researchers use it today, is this. Consciousness is an energy-like potentiality without size or form, without space or time, alive in the sense that your mind is alive, infinitely powerful, highly emotional, and therefore probably self-aware. God, in other words, not a person. God is not a guy with a beard, and God is not material. Consciousness is quite literally all that exists, and everything we think is real, both in this material universe and the 95% of the universe that's not material, is either consciousness or created within consciousness, and by the deliberative act, deliberate action of consciousness. <laughs> so all the matter we've already figured out is not solid, is created in and by consciousness too. And here's something very important to understand. Every human mind is part of the one consciousness, which is all that exists. Not individually, not as little dots, but rather inextricably as part of one whole. There's only one mind, and it is all human minds. In reality, there's only one of us here. Think about what that means. Your mind is part of every other mind that exists or ever has or ever will exist. There's one mind and we are gloriously part of it. We are eternal by definition. It's impossible for us ever to die. Now, energy in general vibrates, and consciousness is an energy-like potentiality. It vibrates too. It exists in a range of vibrations from the lowest and slowest, which is abject fear, anger, rage, all the ishy emotions, to the highest rate, which is perfect love. And of course, the spiritual growth that we come to earth to do is just move we want to move our personal consciousness vibration farther away from fear and hatred and anger and all those awful things that our society it seems to insist we have to partake in we don't we want to move our our own vibration away from that and toward ever more perfect love that is the reason why we're here to learn how to do that ever better and if we if you learn it in this lifetime, you'll never have to come back. Otherwise, you may be back for another 50 lifetimes till you get it right. It's something we are going to all have to learn to do, but it's not hard. We just have to do the right things now. We need negativity in order to do it. Negativity is what we push against. If you didn't have the option of choosing hatred, fear, anger, all that awful stuff, then your choosing love wouldn't mean much, would it? And that's why we have to come here. We can't grow very much in the afterlife levels because it's all love. It's all love, for heaven's sake. You can't. There's nothing there to push against. I mean, everyone who goes there and everyone listening now is saying, I'm never coming back here. Well, the thing is, you want to grow spiritually when you're there more than you've ever craved anything in your life before, and you can't do it unless you come back here. So sooner or later, yes, we'll all come back until we get to the point where we don't have to do that anymore. Now, those vibrations, please understand, we cannot go higher than our own development spiritually. You, you, you can't, you know, drop in on God, but you can go lower pretty easily, which is why those that we used to think were dead are around us now. They can lower their vibration to ours pretty easily. So you know, say hi to Aunt Mildred because 
I have just, um, you know, brought up the fact that the, that your loved ones are there with you. There is no time where they are, and they knew it was going to happen. I was going to bring it up. So probably your room or your car, wherever you are, you are now, is full of the people that you love. Say hello to them. The fact that we can't see them doesn't make them any less completely there. Okay, how can I help you better envision how this works? Consciousness has neither size nor shape. It exists in a range of vibrations, and it's all in the same place. Grandma isn't up there. She's not sitting on a cloud. She's right where you are, but her, she's at a vibration that's so much faster than the vibration at this level that you can't see or hear her. She can, however, see and hear you. And this means, of course, that dying is an easy process of raising your own consciousness vibration just a bit. Let's think about how it actually works. The easiest way to think of your mind is, is something like a television set. The typical TV can get hundreds of stations, and all those stations are simultaneously right in the same room with you. You're not aware of them, though, unless you turn on the TV and tune it to a station. Right now, the TV that is your mind is tuned to your body, that body on this material level of reality, which we think may be the lowest vibration. We're not sure, though. So when you die, your mind simply tunes itself to a slightly higher vibration. It goes, let's say it goes from channel 2 to channel 5, and it picks up a whole new, equally solid reality right exactly in the same place. It's just that simple. We're not talking about the death process today, but I just want you to know that you aren't going to have to worry about it because before you die, people that you know will be there to help you, to, to help you raise your vibration and to help you go to the next level. Um, it's, it's a very easy, loving, joyous process. Nothing to be feared. Getting there can be tough, especially if your body has to become very sick first. But believe me, the process of dying is absolutely joyous. People who, who have been through it and talked to us afterwards say there's, it's actually physically pleasurable. That's how wonderful dying is. I want to make sure you understand that the Godhead is the highest consciousness vibration. At its highest vibration, the power of consciousness is infinite. And for me, what's this, that's a really excellent news. God is not a cranky guy on a throne with a beard and thunderbolts. Jesus tells us right in the Gospels that God never judges anyone. I could show it to you. I don't have the citation in front of me. God, Jesus tells us God doesn't judge us. So where does all this Christian nonsense come from? Why aren't they listening to Jesus? Whatever he says, the stuff he truly said is wonderfully, gloriously true. I'm going to be teaching much more about that going forward because someone has to. I mean, this is, this is the most important information we'll ever get. How do you raise your consciousness vibration easily? He gives us the easiest process possible. Our wonderful friend Mikey Morgan, and we'll have him back again soon with his mother Carol, says that God is the unity of pure love in all that exists. Now, Mikey Morgan is a sixth level being, and he told us that from the sixth level. He knows what's going on. He said, God is the unity of pure love and all that exists. I'll take that. I hope you will too. You cannot love what you fear, so it's time right now today to put aside all fear especially all fear of God. Just know the perfect joy of a Godhead for whom you in particular, you are God's best beloved child. Okay, 
so why is the one level of reality that you and I are living on now apparently the only one that's made of atoms full of subatomic vortices and you can't put your hand through your desk and all that? Why is it like that here? And when the rest of the equally solid matter essentially is nearly translucent and without a need for an internal structure? Well, we think the reason is the simple fact that our minds are so powerful. Jesus tells us our minds are vastly powerful. Here's an example. When his disciples had trouble driving out a possessing spirit, they did a lot of that back then, they asked him why they're unable to do it. And he says, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. That's Matthew 17, 20. Now, that's pretty impressive, don't you think? Having even a speck, a speck of real faith will empower us to move a mountain with our minds. Unfortunately, that means that if we're at all developed spiritually, that means that in the afterlife levels, in the astral, we can do that pretty regularly. But we come here to learn hard lessons. We should, we can't, if, if we could cheat on our lessons, you know, but boy, one of them that you set for yourself might have been um, uh, someone's illness or your own, or it might have been, you know, being poor or something. And, and lo and behold, you can with your mind just fix it. That's, you're not going to learn anything from that. So... We come to a place where our minds cannot do what, what they can do so easily in other parts of reality. And that seems to be the reason why the, the, we have this complicated physics here. So to recap what we've said so far, what we experience in a limited way is consciousness is the only thing that objectively exists. It's an infinitely powerful and infinitely creative potentiality. It has no size. It has no form. It has no time. It's alive in the same way your mind is alive because your mind is part of it. And it's highly emotional. Therefore, we think it's probably self-aware because that's where emotion comes from. Each of our minds is an inextricable part of the same whole consciousness. We leave behind when we come into this earth like most of our own vast eternal minds. And we rejoin them almost immediately after death. So then we feel like geniuses. But we're not geniuses then, of course. We're simply back in our right minds. I think it's important, too, that you understand that while you're here, you have by design a lot of obstacles to your spiritual growth. That's a very good thing. These obstacles act like extra tension on the machines in this spiritual gym that help you to even further stress your spiritual muscles so you can ever better raise your consciousness vibration. One big obstacle, of course, is the fact that you need to eat, drink, clothe your body, lay your head somewhere at night, rear your children, travel, get to work every day. Just about all the things you have to do here take money. Now, money is not the root of all evil, and that's what the Bible doesn't say. What the Bible says is the love of money is the root of all evil, and that is certainly true. All those stresses related to money in particular and to you know whether we have or don't have what we need can either lure us into selfish negativity or they can powerfully propel us to grow so much more. Here's a wonderful little story. My mother-in-law, 
whom I adored and still do, was very young during the Great Depression, and no one then had any money at all. And that deprivation really affected her entire life. The first thing she said to me through a medium after she had transitioned was that she loved it in the afterlife because you could shop as much as you want and you don't need money. So you have that to look forward to. Isn't that funny? What a lovely person. So we have all of that ahead of us, but for now, money is a source of negativity and it cannot be allowed to gain power over us. Nothing can. I've read a lot of communications received during the heyday of mediumistic communication that ended just over a century ago. And a few of those people who had died and were communicating with their loved ones through deep trance mediums had been, you know, business titans, robber barons, very successful people. And to a person, they were devastated to see how much they had set themselves back spiritually by taking that route. Don't do that to yourself. As Jesus says, store up treasure in heaven by raising your personal vibration ever more perfectly toward love. So perhaps you might, as I say, even make this your last earth lifetime. And yes, in case that surprises you, we really do live repeated lives on earth. And Jesus said that too. Coming here is the most effective way for us to grow spiritually until we have raised our personal consciousness vibrations by quite a lot. Um, We talk about seven primary levels, the lowest level being the outer darkness, and then there's one above it, which is a kind of purgatory. And then there's three through five. Those are the Summerland levels. Till we're toward the top of level five, apparently, it's so hard to grow there spiritually that we just come back. Level six, where Mikey is, is just below the source level. And the source level, of course, is the is the root of the Godhead. So it's not hard to understand this stuff. Just understand it's not like an onion, so you have different layers that way. It's all spiritual vibration. You could tune, if you had the ability, you could tune to any of those channels. In case you're still stuck in some of the fear-based teachings of mainstream Christianity, please never forget that Jesus wants us to learn all that we can. He wants us to learn all that we can about this stuff. He wants us to know what is going on. He wants us to believe, but he doesn't want us to believe blindly. He encourages us to investigate, to seek proof. He says, and this is another quotation from the Lord, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. That's Matthew 7, 7 to 8. As you know the story of doubting Thomas. His disciple Thomas had, had trouble believing that Jesus had risen from the dead. That's not possible. Oh, for Pete's sake, that's not possible. I won't believe it unless I get to stick my hand right in his side. Because as we know, of course, he was speared in his side. And the Lord said to him, go right ahead, put your hand in my side there, Thomas. Do what you need to do. Feel my wound. I want you to believe, which is to me a beautiful story. My wonderful friends, you and I, we are the luckiest generation by far in all of human history. We're the first generation that really can begin to understand reality as it actually is and can come to make sense of why we even are here. For you to be able to understand all of this eventually is going to be essential if you want to live your very best possible life. And of course, in this little time, I can't, I can't tell you everything. 
but it's really fairly simple. Nothing is solid. Everything is based in, made of consciousness. What you experience, you know, those thoughts in your head, that's all part of the same energy that manifests this universe. And not, it didn't just start once and go away. No, it's continuously being manifested by the Godhead. There is no time in reality. It has to be that way. It has to be continuously manifested, supported, and deeply loved by the Godhead. So it's that's what's really going on. Consciousness energy, range of vibration, fear at the low end, perfect love at the high end. And our minds are somewhere on that spectrum. When we're here, we are at an artificially reduced vibration because we've got to be inside these material bodies. What's interesting is people will sometimes see the, the, the uh, person who is dying leaving the body, which to me is a fascinating thing. It looks like mist. They'll see that there'll be suddenly a mist that rises from the chest or from the head, and it will rise in the air and then it will seem to disappear. But it's not disappeared at all. What's happened is as soon as it's free of that body, your who you are, the essence of your mind will rise quite rapidly in vibration. And so the people at the bedside will no longer be able to see it. And to just give you another preview of coming attractions, um, you will form into your body. You'll say, oh, my goodness, I'm naked. Immediately your mind will clothe you. And you'll stay attached to your body through by the silver cord for a little while. But then it will break and you'll go with complete love and joy with the, with your, your mother, your pet dog from childhood. All the people that you thought you'd lost are right there around the bed, young, happy, eager to bring you home. And they will do that. It is just a beautiful thing. Where science is concerned, I should just mention, too, that science finds it essential to seek a source of consciousness in the brain. Because if there is no source of consciousness in the brain, they have a terrible fear that they may find God. So they've got to got to seek it. I it's I, I just wrote another blog post about it. If if you're interested in my blog posts, they come out every Sunday. You can sign up and they'll be sent to you. But my, the most recent one I wrote, I talked again about uh, how they're desperate to find a source of consciousness in the brain. And of course, it's not possible because your brain doesn't produce consciousness. It's a receiver and transmitter and nothing more. And it's not even the only place that consciousness attaches to your body. We know all this because we're not afraid of finding God. We're not afraid of finding anything. If you want to know the truth, and Jesus said we should seek the truth. He said, when we know the truth, the truth it will, will set us free. And that is so true. That is no truer words ever were spoken than that. I want to help you understand all of this. And everybody is coming from a different place. So if, the, if I'm saying things that are puzzling you, you know, just go to robertagrimes.com and send me an email. And ask the question, and I will answer it. It could take me a few days. Sometimes it takes four or five at this point because I get so many communications. But they're very important to me. I want everybody, I want everybody who listens to Seek Reality at all to be able to figure out in just a few years the things it took me 50, 50 years to learn and to figure out. I'm doing it. I did it the hard way, and I want to now to help you do it the easy way. This episode of Seek Reality is my gift to you. As I speak these words, 
tomorrow I'll be 73 years old. Of course, the thing nobody ever tells you when you're 23 or you're 43 is that each decade of life actually is better than all the previous decades. It gets better and better, and you feel no less bright or energetic than you when you're 73 than you felt when you were much younger. Um, in my experience, the older you get, the happier you are. But I realize now that some of my happiness, some of my ever-increasing joy in this life has come from the fact that I've spent my whole adult life studying not just death and the afterlife, but truly everything that really is going on. The more you know, the more, the better it looks, to tell you the truth, the more joyous it is. The good news is there's really no bad news. Ten years ago, this past April, just about when I was hitting retirement age, I gave the rest of my life to God. I urge people all the time to do this. It's, it's, it's the best thing I ever did in my life. Sorry, to, with apologies to my husband of 47 years and to my children of great many years at this point as well, and grandchildren, I love you all, but the best thing I ever did was give my life to God. Few people trust God enough to do that, because what if he wants you to go, you know, work in Bangladesh or, or in a leper colony? I mean, it's hard to, you can't say no. You said, you already said you'd do it, so you're going to do it. And I can't tell you how many people have told me they want to do it. They want to give their life to God. They can't quite do it. But I got to tell you, when I gave my life to God, he gave it right back to me, garlanded in more joy than I ever could have imagined even was possible to find. And from now until I take my last breath here, I'm, I finally will get to go home. All I want to do is share this joy with you. Oh, my goodness. So we're coming to the end of my time here with you. I'm about to get into our, our winding up mode. Um, I, I think I've told you a good beginning, a good basis on which you can build. I'm probably going to have to write a book about this. Because although some of this is in some of my other books, it's, it's not laid out this specifically. I didn't know it, really, until just, oh, a couple or three years ago, I was able to put enough of it together, um, the science part of it especially, to be able to be confident, yeah, I really do have this right. This really is what's going on. Now, is this the only set of universes, the only great universe of reality? I don't think so. In fact, there's evidence now that we will go on growing forever through reality after reality. We truly are part of the Godhead. We truly are a part of the divine, and we will never reach an end. Um, Mikey says that, and I'm coming to believe that's true. And um, this is just a wonderful beginning. I just want you to make the best possible beginning. I think it's very, very important to you that you not waste any of this precious time on earth when you can be learning and growing and having so much fun. There's no more fun than this. I'm sorry, there really isn't. Even skiing, whatever. There's no more fun than this. So, so we'll sort of wind toward the end now and meander slowly. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, as you know, and I'm really glad you could be here today. Thank you for being here. This is a very precious thing for, that I, I very don't really do often enough, perhaps. is It's precious to me to just spend time with you without even any guest between. Please never forget that you in particular, are a powerful, eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And when you really get what that means, it's going to change everything in your life for the better. You have learned today that you are part of the powerful mind of God and you are God's best beloved child and you can see how that's possible now. So 
I mean, how can you not be joyous? Oh my goodness. This all right, let segueing into next week. I should tell you that our guest next week will be Brian Allen, and he's going to be here for the second time and speaking to us all the way from the United Kingdom. He's another wonderful white crow author. Um, This is just a superb – every time you see a white crow um, emblem on a book, you know that's that's like the good housekeeping seal for books in this field. Brian is the author of Project Phenomena, Evaluating the Paranormal, and that's a terrific book about what – I don't think we really should be calling the paranormal anymore since, in fact, it's all entirely normal. Nevertheless, that's what they call it. Um, it, Eventually, I think we'll change the word because eventually everybody's going to understand it all. Brian is also the editor of Phenomena magazine, and he and I got talking after he was with us last time, and, and I asked him to come back to talk about the problem of the spirits of the dead and other entities actually possessing or obsessing the minds of the living, which is something that apparently can happen. We have evidence that it happens. Um, I've seen it myself. But um, I, I've, part, of the, part of this study that I've done has entailed mainly looking at good stuff. I haven't wanted to know about bad stuff. Fortunately, very little bad stuff exists. And now that I'm past that sort of anxiety about wanting to not know about bad stuff, I'm willing to look at this more closely. I think it's important people know how to protect themselves from obsessing entities, um, keep them from latching on, and if they've latched on, how to get rid of them. And I have a story or two to tell myself. This is one of those things that we've really never before, I don't think, talked about on Seek Reality, not for many years anyway. So I'm going to be learning right beside you. I hope you'll join us next week for Brian Allen, who's really a delightful, delightful guy. And, of course, this week our guest has been your host. When those who run the various stations and venues where Seek Reality is heard, when they check with their listeners – what do you like? What, what don't you like? One thing they're often told is that many of you do like it when I tackle a big topic on my own without a guest. <laughs> to be frank, I want to bring you the very best and most detailed possible information, and I see myself as a generalist. There are only a very few topics on which I've come to conclude that I may know more than any guest I can think of. One is the genuine gospel teachings of Jesus and how they relate to what the dead tell us. I don't know of anybody else on earth who's made that a specialty, which is too bad, because if there's anything we should know for certain, I don't care what our religion is, we should know what Jesus actually said and how it relates to what the dead tell us is true. And, that, and I've made the specialty of that. I think I'll probably be mainly teaching that after before too long. And it, I think that this the, the way that the greater reality is constructed is another one of those topics. The only other person we can ever bring in to talk about this stuff is is Dr. R. Craig Hogan, our wonderful friend, who'll be with us again, of course, before long. But I think that my take is a little more basic than his. He's so advanced spiritually that he's sort of got his head in the clouds quite a bit. And um, I like the notion of trying to make it as simple as possible. I, I see myself as a kind of kindergarten teacher in all of these fields. I love the notion that I'm giving you the, a good grounding. And you'll be able to learn from Craig and so many other people, so much more complicated stuff, because I've hopefully given you that good beginning. Today, we've really only scratched the surface, though, and I will return to this. Um, I think it's very important. But for now, 
please just have the joy of knowing you are infinitely loved. It's all good. Your mind is eternal. And you have nothing, nothing to fear, nothing to fear, literally. When you really get that, I can't tell you what a difference it makes because it really does take away all fear when you understand just how much you are loved by God and loved by the whole, the whole universe. The truth is much more wonderful than any of us even can imagine. Now, as you know, my nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and very soon now, The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. There's a story behind this book. If you've been listening regularly, you know I've been talking about it for two years. It was finished, written two years ago. And then Thomas, my wonderful guide, said, not yet. And he kept saying, not yet. And he finally let me go back and, and proof it this spring, and it, I was very happy with it. My editor says it's the best thing I've ever written. So um, finally I said to him, okay, what about the fall? And he said, we can put it out in the fall. And then we'll also put out our second children's book. Again, it's been in the works for two years. I've been so busy with other things. I haven't – I really should have done it sooner. These books, the fun of meeting Jesus and then soon the fun of growing with Jesus – are beautifully illustrated by a woman. I can't remember what country she lives in, but she took, she did it so well. And children love these books because they don't teach religion. What they teach is what Jesus said. And in the fun of growing with Jesus, we learn also what the, how the dead agree with him and what the dead are telling us about a lot of things. That one includes the death of a pet, which I think a lot of people will resonate with for their children. What are the happy things we can learn about what happens with pets in the afterlife? You can order all my books through bookstores or on Amazon.com. And, of course, the adult books are available as audiobooks too. If you ever want to talk about any of my books or if you want to talk about anything at all, you can always contact me through the contact block on robertagrimes.com. I do answer every email. Just please make sure you give me the right address because I don't have any way to find your address if you gave me a wrong one. But most people are really good about that. Past episodes of Seek Reality are available on webtalkradio.net, realrevolutionradio.com, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and a number of other stations, some of which I don't even remember. But they include those in the wonderful Dream Vision 7 radio family. These people started running my programs early on, and they have been so supportive. I can't begin to thank them enough. More and more people now tell me that they just listen through the Seek Reality app, and you can find that for free in the iTunes app store. And, of course, if you ever are thinking, oh, my goodness, I can't find Roberta. Where is she now? I will never stop doing this as long as I have a voice. Even if I have to whisper, I'll still do it. So um, just go to robertagrimes.com and click the radio tab, and you'll find out where I'm, where you can hear me now. I don't always do this live. I like to do it live once in a while, but um, it is, it's, it's harder to be in a certain place at a certain time in the right mood. Um, so sometimes we, we do pre-records uh, and that, that also I think works well. Once again, a plug for my blog. I, for the past year, I've been blogging every week and I have learned so much in this process because of course I'm not, choosing the topics. I'm not really writing it. It's all coming from Thomas. And I realize now that he's 
prepared me to go to the next stage, which we'll be talking about, I think, fairly soon. It all, I'm always the last to know this stuff. I don't know why he's having me do things, but um, he's been having me do these blog posts. And I, I hear from a lot of people now who read them uh, and, and enjoy them. So I'd love to hear from you if you if you decide you'd like to come and read my posts. They're always they're posted late on Saturday and they're always available on Sundays. So um, and quite a few people comment and I love their comments and I always answer answer those too. I can't tell you the best part of the work I do is all the people I have met and I'm part of their journey and they're part of mine. It's the best best thing there is. As you know, my role in your life is just to make things easier for you. You have to get to the truth. This is not an optional course. We all need to come to understand the truth. And we can do it over a lot of lifetimes or we can cut to the chase and do it more quickly. If you do, if you would like to do it more quickly, I can help you get there to where I am now in two or three years. It's not even that hard. This is simple stuff. You don't have to meditate. You don't have to do yoga. You don't have to do anything complicated. All you have to do is open your mind and your heart to God. That's all you have to do. And God loves you perfectly, so why not do that? The rest, all of the rest, is just so easy. Again, if there's something you I'm not doing for you that you wish I would, I wish you'd tell me. I can't read your mind. I do try sometimes. I can't read your mind. So just know that living in perfect love eternally is the happiest that you can be. And when you are there, I will be the happiest that I can ever be. So we really, unfortunately, have come to the end of our time together now. Um, I hope you'll join us again next week when we'll, we will be back to having a guest and a little more. We'll be a little more formal then. But this has felt like a lovely, intimate time with you. I'm very glad we got to do this. As you know, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy, please make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you in particular, you most of all, you, yes, you sitting there, standing there, wherever you are, you, no matter what you think of yourself, God loves you perfectly. You are God's most beloved child. You in particular are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.